This is a Podfire production. Dunstall in the pocket goes for goal number 100 and gets it. G'day guys, Queensland Corridor Footy Podcast here and I'm with Dane Swan. He never misses Queensland Corridor Footy Podcast either, do you Dane? No, absolutely not, absolutely do not miss it, I love it. You're a legend, thanks mate. There you go, Brendo. Welcome to another week, and that was Dane Swan giving us the thumbs up. Hello, Rob. Sounds like you had a great day down there at Park Ridge. We did have, we'll get to that very shortly with Park Ridge. Um, but, yeah, look, um, big week of footy. Always wanted to say that. Um, one of the Eddie Maguire-isms. Um, what was your takeout from the last week of footy? Yeah, so my eye-catcher for this week was young Alex Davies playing his third game of AFL football. Uh, got his debut late last year and um, some good pre-season form saw him uh, debut uh, play round one and two this week this year and look he's performed really quite admirably he's a Cairns product originally um, down from uh, the Suns Academy had a couple of years at Broadbeach was drafted a couple of years ago he's a great young man I've, I've met him a few times and you know he's he's managed to kick goals in both games and he really looks the part so Obviously hoping that he leads to a great career for young Alex. It's really good when you see these young guys come through and it's even better when they're a Queensland product at a Queensland team. I've got to agree with you there. Now, for me, the eye-catcher for the week was definitely going out to Park Ridge. Um, we went out there on Saturday to do a canteen review, which I will do later. At the end of the show, we'll do the canteen review. But uh, Andy, the uh, club president out there, he invited us out because Dane Swan was there and we went and had a look and... Fair income, mate. It was fantastic going to local footy again, and that, that's my eye-catcher as well. Um, somewhere between 900 and 1,100 people, I think, were, were through, the, through the gates, and that was certainly evident there. There was a lot of people there, and it, it was a great day for the club. They, um, they would have sold a fair few beers and a few um, hot dogs, I'm certain, and a lot of raffle tickets. So a good day for the club, and I think it's something that um, you'll see, especially in those, those teams in the, in the um, Division 2 you know, if they can get these guys in for a day, it, it's a good money spinner for them. Um, what I loved... Now, th- there's two stories going around. There's a guy who plays for Park Ridge, wears number 36, Brandon Cherry. Now, Brandon goes around, he's got the leg tattoos, he um, looks the part, he idolises Dane Swan. Now, on the hill, the story was that he wouldn't give up number 36 for Dane Swan. That, that was his number. So um, that was that was certainly a highlight. Unfortunately, I then a day later speak to Andy, and I find out that the real reason Dane Swan didn't get thirty six was he didn't fit into it. <laughs> so he donned number forty eight, and there'll be a little bit of a video come up on our YouTube channel that's um, just been established, but um, showing Dane Swan's last kick of the game, which went through for a goal. And I'll tell you what, they reckon Buddy Franklin's thousandth was big. The crowd went bananas. With, uh, with Dane Swan snapping a goal late in the game. But it, w- it was fantastic. He hung around for about four hours signing autographs and it's what f- local footy's all about. So let's get into our AFL wrap. Of course, the Brisbane Lions had a win, uh, 15-7-97 to 10-15-75 over Essendon. What were your thoughts on the game, Rob? Oh, look, they came out firing the Bombers, didn't they? And I thought it was a, a good performance for three quarters by the Lions. Um, they they really they couldn't win the ball in the first quarter, but after that they they settled in, or maybe you could say Lockie Neal settled in, 
and put on a masterclass. Um, 38 possessions in three quarters, a couple of goals. Really was an amazing performance by Lockie Neal. And I guess the end result of a 22-odd point victory for the Lions was probably what most people expected. But I think if you have a look at the game, it was a little tougher than what it um, it looked like on paper. Yeah, and look, I guess there'd be some concerns over the start of the game. Like a stronger team may well have been able to get six to seven goals up um, early days, a couple of missed opportunities by the Bombers. But I guess the, the rubber band got stretched, but it never snapped. 11, 11 clearances before Brisbane had one, apparently. So yes, that's but something to work on. But again, you know, Essendon had been put through the ringer during the week and there had to be a response from them. So I just think that Brisbane may take a lesson from that to be a bit more prepared for a response like that. Yeah, and look, in the end, the Lions, with experienced players such as, I thought Zorko, um, although playing on one leg, he was quite instrumental in the game. Yeah, named in the AFL Team of the Week this week, Zorko, even with one leg, and Chris Fagan says he'll keep playing, um, that the injury is painful, but can't get any worse than playing, can only make it, um, you know, recover the same speed. Yeah, no doubt he was a factor in the game. What about the Suns? You went out there for your birthday, Brendo. Yes, it was a good night out there. Always enjoy being out at the Suns. It's great, great atmosphere out at Metricon. And I, and I let you down, didn't I? Rob was a little bit tired from his trip to Park Ridge and decided to have the have the day on the, have the <laughs> night on the couch. <laughs> yes, that is exactly true. What was the final score there? Uh, Melbourne, obviously premiers from last year, twelve ten eighty two, defeating a gallant Suns ten nine sixty nine. Did you manage to watch a little bit, Rob? I certainly did watch a little bit. Um, I didn't think this... Oh, I thought the Suns performed admirably. Uh, you used the term gallant. I might have used that if you hadn't have used it. Um, exactly the right right phrase for it, I think. Yeah, look, early days, the Suns started really brightly, got a couple of goals up, um, and you're sort of starting to think, oh, hang on, you know, is, are we on here? You could tell, though, fairly soon that, you know, the experience of Melbourne, they had it un- in hand and... You know, over time they were able to grind their way back into the game. Just had a little bit more polish in the finishing. Uh, But overall, the Suns would be reasonably comfortable with with the performance. As you were saying that, it it actually, I thought to myself, maybe it was a similar game to the Brisbane game, just in reverse. With, you know, Essendon out of the blocks and the Suns, they really should have been, kicked more goals in the first quarter. They had far more of the play that first quarter. Yes. And I, I guess, and towards the end of the game, and you could just tell... Melbourne seemed to just be able to find that goal when they needed to. And yep. they, they were always able, even though the Suns kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, the, the Melbourne teams were always able to, to to respond just when they needed it. And you always felt they were going to get over the line. There's a reason why they're the reigning premiers, isn't there? Yes. Yep. And the women's game, very big women's game, unfortunately uh, postponed due to COVID issues the previous week. Had that one play out, Rob? Brisbane Lions 10-10-70 defeated Collingwood 3-2-20. An amazing um, situation, I guess, where a final had to be postponed a week and the whole final series moved back a week. But I think it was the right decision to do that. Collingwood were able to get most of their team back out in the field. But, look, I think Brisbane were just far too strong. I think they would have been too strong anyway. But when you've got so many players that had come through COVID protocol, it just seemed that Brisbane were um, just a little bit fitter across the across the ground. Jesse Wardlaw played well. And, look, it was just a good team effort. It was fantastic to see Ola O'Dwyer kick a, a kick a goal and have her family in the stands. First time they'd ever seen her play football live. So it was a great day. And what it does now is it gives these, these ladies an opportunity to play on the MCG next week. 
um, when they play Melbourne in the preliminary final on Saturday. Oh, and that that will be some thrill for all first, the girls. First time that it's being played on the MCG and AFLW game. So, and with whoever hosts the grand final next week after that, um, it'll either be it could be at the Adelaide Oval, it could be at the MCG, or it could be at the Gabba. One of those three venues will host the grand final ne- the week following. So. Um, I hope it's not the MCG for obvious reasons. I'd love to have Brisbane in it, um, but it could be either a, um, an Adelaide Oval or MCG Grand Final. Either one would be absolutely sensational. So we'll be watching very intently as the girls play this week. 100%. Okay, Brendan, we're going on to the VFL now. We had round one. And we had three games. Carlton played Brisbane first on the Friday night. Now, I watched that game intently. Carlton 11-18-84, defeating Brisbane 5-12-42. It was probably the disappointing game of the um, or the disappointing performance from the Queensland teams on the weekend. Brisbane just weren't up to it at all. Yeah, I, was, I watched a fair bit of this game as well. I was excited to watch a bit of VFL. And uh, obviously, I guess last week, Gave us a great insight into the competition, and I was you know, got at home and got the AFL app streaming on my TV, <laughs> and it was I was all ready to go. And then, you know, it was quite a frustrating game to watch early. It was Brisbane talk about not capitalising on opportunities. It was it was disappointing in that respect. Lucky again that Carlton didn't you know ram home a few more goals in that first quarter. Otherwise, it would have been over a quarter time rather than half time. Yeah, no doubt about that. At one stage, I think Brisbane was zero goals, seven or eight. Zero or seven, they certainly were. Um, I like the look of Kai Lohman, though. He kicked a couple of goals, had 17 possessions, um, one of last year's draft picks. Reese Matheson tried really hard, I thought, and, and that's what he's about for the for the team. He he um, His effort can never be questioned. Um, yeah, and, and with Matheson, he probably understands that, you know, if, if they're fully fit, the Brisbane Lions, he probably isn't in their best 22, but yep. one or two injuries and he's straight in. So. He is straight in, and he, he would fit into the team at any time. Dev Robertson was serviceable again, 22 possessions and five tackles. I like the way he goes. Um, I think once a position opens up for him in the seniors, he'll take that. But the one that um, the evergreen Ryan Lester played, uh, probably the best player on ground for the Lions, um, he was just a general across the halfback, 28 possessions. And that's why they've got to be at the club, just to um, to be a leader amongst the, the young blokes, I think. So he did a great job there. The Suns played Saturday night. You would have Did you see any of this game, Brendan? I actually listened to a bit of it on the radio. I had the stream going on and, <laughs> and I was listening to it on the radio. Look at so. you go with all the technology. It's fantastic. Well, the Suns, 20 goals, 11, 131, defeated the Northern Bull Ants, 11, 10, 76. What did you take out of the what you heard? And So the first takeout was, I think on paper, it was close to the strongest Suns reserve side that I've seen them field. So I believe there was 18 or 19 listed players and not just listed players quite a few players with a fair bit of maturity so the likes of Corbett the likes of Burgess um, young Cetas from um, the Sandful who's a recent draftee they all just added to you know to probably overwhelm in some ways you know a reasonably inexperienced Northern Bullet side. Close game to quarter time but after that it was 15 goals to six after quarter time so um, they certainly stamped their authority on the game. Um, Elijah Hollands had 19 possessions and six tackles. I really like the look of that kid. Yeah, and look, they're very excited about Elijah Hollands at the club. Uh, I've heard he's been training the house down. And, you know, 
will at some stage be injected into the senior team and, and look out when he does. So uh, looking forward to tracking his progress. Uh, I thought Malcolm Roses did well. Yep. Uh, he kicked three, three goals, I think. Yes. Um, Corbett, as we mentioned, kicked five. And, and also another one was Ace uh, from Papua New Guinea. Yep. He came over on an international scholarship. Um, nice young fellow, um, and he seems to be maturing. He's, he's I think he you know, had about 20-odd possessions and, and looked lively. Excellent. Then Sunday, as we spoke to Jared last week with the Southport Footy Club, they went down to Punt Road and took on Richmond. Richmond 16-4-100, defeating Southport 10-9-69. Um, Five-goal loss. Southport trailed only by a point a quarter time. Did you get to see any of this one? Yeah, so I did catch a bit of the game, and again, when South Southport had a lot of ascendancy early, were able to kick one or two goals. Jacob Townsend kicked the first two goals of the he game. He kicked three. He kicked yep. three goals in the first quarter, Jacob. So, uh, but unfortunately, the Sharks probably were unable to really put the scoreboard pressure. And interestingly, in the game, the Sharks had over a hundred more possessions than uh, the Tigers. However, inside fifties favoured the Tigers by yep. nine. So I think what what that was, it, it did look like the Tigers perhaps had more pressure on the ball than what the Lions, uh, what Southport have been used to, yeah. perhaps in the pre-season game. I had, a, I had a call from someone at the Sharks today, and that's exactly what they said. They just said that Richmond were able to use the ball a lot more effectively and didn't turn it over under pressure. And that pretty much sums up the stats that you just brought up there. Yeah, and you know. look, and another point... As well, if uh, for those who follow the VFL competition, all AFL reserves teams that played standalone teams defeated the standalone teams in round one. Yep. So every standalone team was beaten. And I guess that's kind of to be expected because teams early days, there's not A too many fitter. injuries yep. and they're probably ahead in, in their preparations for the season and so forth. So it's not that surprising to see that result early days. But having said that, the Sharks would have fancied their chances down there and would be a little disappointed they didn't get the chocolates. Um, but again, some some bright um, things to go on with with Max Peskid continuing his, his great form from the pre-season and Boyd Woodcock doing very well. Yes, and this week we have three games again for the Queensland teams. The Suns travel down to Sydney and play on Friday night at Bankstown. Brisbane play North Melbourne at the Moreton Bay Complex on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And Southport play Williamstown as part of a triple header at Southport on Saturday. They play Williamstown at 1 o'clock also, followed by their QAFLW team as well as um, the QAFLW reserves after. So they've got a game at 1, they've got a game at 4 and they've got a game at 6. So a big weekend of footy at Southport and in the VFL. Okay, so we've got Mitch Simpson here, the AFLQ Comp Manager. Um, thanks for your time today, Mitch. Yeah, thanks, gents. Welcome, uh, I guess. It's great to great to be a part of this. And, yeah, certainly enjoyed the first couple of episodes and, and looking forward to where it, uh, where it goes this year. I think everyone's enjoying these episodes. We had a great day on Saturday out at, the, uh, at Park Ridge that we talked about earlier. But, uh, Mitch, give us an idea on how you got to be the AFLQ competition manager and um, what you actually do. Yeah, so I've been with the AFL Queensland um, community football team for a bit over three years now. Um, so been based 
in the Darling Downs as the, the competition manager for, for that region. And uh, yeah, just recently at the start of the season, transitioned to the to the state league manager role. So uh, basically my role now encompasses the competition management of both the, the Quaffle and the Bond University Quaffle W. And then uh, I lead our team as well that, that oversees all uh, senior football in southeast Queensland. And what was your background in football before you got into these roles? Uh, so I haven't, uh, haven't played footy in a number of years now, but I grew up playing uh, playing Aussie rules in Wollongong as a kid, um, and yeah, sort of um, been a been across a few different few different um, playing and sort of working roles across a few different sports um, across the time. But uh, yeah, about yeah three and a half years ago, roughly, um, yeah, found my way from an employment perspective into the into the AFL system, and um, yeah, here I am today. Awesome, Mitch. Just uh, just for our listeners who mightn't be aware, what do you do sort of on a day-to-day basis? I know it probably changes quite regularly and it depends on what time of the season it is and so forth, but um, some of the broad areas that you, your role actually encompasses. Yeah, so my role now sort of looks after everything from the, uh, the nitty-gritty of the competition management. So obviously working through our uh, picturing and, um, and you know administration around each weekend of football. So now we've sort of hit... Um, hit round one at the, the Bond University Quaffle W and, and the men's competition to kick off this weekend. Our, our weeks are very structured around the, the actual administration, um, obviously working with our, um, right across our team in terms of our umpiring group, uh, our coaching team as well. Um, so it's pretty diverse in terms of the, um, I guess, the actual job description. Naturally, we do a lot of work with our with all the clubs right across my role across the two state leagues, but then, um, yeah, working through um, various challenges and, and projects that we do have right across the community football team as well. So that could be everything from some of our themed rounds, such as working with, uh, you know, our Sir Doug Nichols working group, um, Pride Round, um, to, yeah, everything to the, I guess, the uglier side, uglier side of football as well in terms of all the administration around our, um, I guess, incident management too from, from every weekend of football. So... Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty all-encompassing role in terms of um, just about everything that goes on um, within our competitions um, right across SEQ. Fantastic. And so, I guess looking at the first competition, you mentioned earlier that round one of the Quaffle Women's Competition kicked off uh, the weekend past. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the competition, how it looks this year, and and what's happening? Yeah. So. It's probably been one of the longer off seasons for the for the Bond University Corporal W clubs. Uh, previously, it's been run a fair bit earlier than than our traditional sort of winter time slot. Uh, whereas this year, we've seen it come right back to to align largely with our uh, I guess our other senior competitions in uh, well across Queensland. So really exciting that yeah, it obviously kicked off on the weekend. It's um, you know it's great to see obviously Southport have made a step up from the QFAW Div One competition this year, and, and they made a bit of a statement in round one. Um, chalking up the four points. So it's obviously great to have them involved in the competition. Uh, and yeah, look, it's just, you know, it's, it's a comp that's absolutely, you know, talent laden. I think, you know, again, the competition is just going from strength to strength as the, the female product in, in Queensland and look right across the country, I think, to be honest, um, you know, continues to, to come on leaps and bounds. And uh, yeah, certainly looking forward to the year ahead. I think this weekend we've got the, the grand final rematch. So UQ host Bond, uh, at UQ this weekend, which will be, yeah, super exciting, um, I guess, to see how, yeah, the two of last year's heavyweights come together shaping up for this year. And they'll unfurl the flag this weekend, I'm guessing? 
Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I haven't seen the full run sheet, but I believe that yeah, certainly the uh, yeah, UQ will be will be making a fair song and dance about that. So right. look, well, it's going to be. It's all, sorry, go on. No, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say it's always a you know really exciting day for any club to to unfurl their their flag, and uh, no doubt there'll be a, a a big cast of supporters there this weekend. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That it's just an amazing experience to have the um the flag unfurled at any level. What about the men's competition in the Quaffle this year? Mitch, um, how's that shaping up? Because there has been a few changes in that one as well. Yeah, again, super exciting, I think, where the competition's going to head this year. Uh, Astley is obviously the, the headline in terms of, uh, though, you know, the Hornets returning to the, um, the Corfield setup. So 12 clubs now, it's probably one of the most, uh, I guess, one of the strongest on paper looking, um, looking seasons we've certainly had a number of years. I, I think you guys have covered it over the last couple of weeks in terms of the the club preview, so I won't necessarily delve into the who's who, but you know, there's plenty of headlines around players that have come from, um, I guess, yeah, the AFL and, and some certainly some pretty high ranking interstate leagues as well. So it's going to be super exciting to see how everyone hits the park for round one this weekend. And a few opportunities for double headers with the Quaffle men's competition and Quaffle women's competition. Yeah, that's you know that's going to be huge for, for state league footy this year. I think that obviously with Astley having a, a Quaffle W side and, and with their senior team. Senior men's team uh, returning to the quarter with um, we've got three clubs in in Wilson Grange, Maroochydore, and Astley that will play out double headers this year. But obviously, with the alignment of the, the Quaffle W season where it is, we're going to see Southport have a number of Quaffle W and VFL double headers, uh, and then our Bond University Quaffle W clubs as well that are that are aligned across the QFA men's divisions have a significant number of double headers too. So. Big days of footy. Uh, it's obviously, you know, super exciting for, for all our clubs right across Queensland. Uh, you know, when we can have, you know, our premier men's and women's competitions right across um, the various divisions playing all at one. And it's going to make for a super exciting year, I think. And just on that, with the excitement, adding to the excitement this year, there's a few new things that uh, the AFLQ and Quaffle are looking at for the competition. Yeah, so we've, yeah, reinvested um, into the competition this year and uh, we've, you know, really proud to have brought on iSports as the um, statistics uh, program and, and analysis for, for both um, the, the Quaffle and, and Bond University Quaffle W. So being able to have, um, I guess, an injection of support to our coaching groups right across uh, right across both competitions is, is certainly uh, going to be a step up this year right across the board. It, it obviously has a number of different um, elements from anything from talent ID to, you know, academy pathways, you know, being able to provide information on the plays in the competition, but also being able to tell our story. We obviously want to be able to showcase who are our, you know, who are our top performers and, and better sell the story because, as I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, there's an enormous amount of talent now that's going to be in that, um, in both competitions, and it's going to be a super exciting year. So really looking forward to how that rolls out this year. And, uh, yeah, new... Um, I guess new live streaming platform as well, which is going to be exciting. So all the uh, the match of the round in both comps will be will be live streamed across the uh, Clutch TV. So yeah, some some new things this year that we've sort of reinvested into the, the competitions, and we you know really want to help support uh, all clubs to to take it to the next level and, and continue to grow the sport. Yeah, so that sounds super exciting. And look, Mitch, uh, with my dealings with you so far, and I know the feedback around I've been speaking to a lot of the clubs, and the feedback's been that. Um, you've hit the ground running and done a really good job, and we really do appreciate your time that you've taken to speak to the podcast today. No, excellent. I think I love what you guys are doing to to help promote the, the grassroots arm um, of our game, and yeah, really looking forward to 
where the podcast goes, but obviously, yeah, where the seasons take us this year as well. Looking forward to round one, Mitch. Thank you very much for your time, and um, maybe we'll talk to you again soon. I will talk to you later in the season again. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks Mitch. Cheers. Now, that was a fantastic um, chat we were able to have there with Mitch. Brendo, um, I think you'll agree that it's it's really good to get a little bit of insight into the QAFL competition from these people that have a real understanding and a part of it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no doubt. And Mitch was very generous with his time and we definitely thank him for that. Absolutely. Um, really appreciate the time that they give. And talking about the QAFLW, which we did with Mitch, um, we had round one. It started on, on Saturday. And we had uh, four games. We had Bond University, an 85-point victory over Wilson Grange. Um, we had Southport in their first ever game, winning by 43 points over Yeronga in an away game. And UQ beat Maroochydore by 35 points. The big game of the weekend was Aspley against Cooperoo in an absolute nail-biter. Cooperoo 5-6-36 defeated Aspley 5-5-35. So... That was round one. There was a few players who kicked a few um, a bag of goals. We had Katie Fletcher um, at UQ kicking four, as well as, I, I apologise if I get this name wrong, LaCloya Cockatoo Motlap kicked four in, um, in Bon Uni's big win as well. So um, that gets us underway with the AFL, oh, sorry, the QAFLW, and, or, which is sponsored by Bond University. So we will talk about that more during the season. And we're actually going to try and get someone on from one of the teams in the next month or so to have a chat about um, how that all goes. Look forward to that one. So we've got a few teams in the Quaffle men's competition to preview. So let's get on to that. Let's get on to that one indeed. Now we're starting, I believe, this week with, um, I think it's Palm Beach. We're going to start with Palm Beach. So... Russ Maloney, the um, ex-player and long-time coach at all levels of Palm Beach. He's um, been there for a long time. He's the coach there. Obviously, the big news off-season was Liam Jones turning up to Palm Beach. Um, but they've got a few different players. I think Cam O'Leary came from Geelong VFL. Brad Stafford and Tom Thine and Tyler Cornish both um, coming back too. Yeah, Brendan. so just on that, uh, Tommy Thine and Tyler Cornish, they're huge ins. They'll bo- boost their, their midfield um, in a big way, both of them are premier comp- uh, players in the competition. Um, and obviously, Liam Jones, you know, we talk about ex-AFL players, but <laughs> you could argue that he's a current he is a current AFL. AFL player. So he'll certainly be a huge fill-up for their team. Um, a couple of players that have uh, decided not to go on, um, Tommy's brother, Stephen, um, and Jason Burge, who's a bit of a legend of Queensland footy. He uh, quite courageously overcame cancer to play at the season last year. He's a great guy, Virgie, and, you know, a great servant to both the Palm Beach Crumbin Football Club and the Southport Sharks. So we wish him well. We wish him well for sure. Um, yeah, great story. Yeah, John Crowd, uh, one of the premier rucks in the competition, uh, has uh, headed back down to um, the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, so he'll be missed. But having said that, they've got some really great young tall talent coming through, and I'll talk about that in a moment. A couple of young fellas to, to watch. Uh, Corey Beeman, um, Harry Day has been working really hard, and a, a young fellow by the name of Ethan Seacamp, who's come from the Tweed Coast Tigers, I believe, um, and has been training, he's been training really well, looks the goods, and, um, and well done to Palmy for uh, fostering that local talent. Uh, talking to Russ during the week, 
He said his big focus for the pre-season, the off-season and going into the season is defensive pressure and being very difficult to play against. Um, so I'm sure they'll do that. And look, going on their young talent, uh, this, the Palm Beach Crumbin Club have got quite a few players in the academy, the likes of Will Bella and Jed Walter and Jed Foggo and these sort of guys, when they're not playing for the Suns VFL or the academy, they'll come in and boost uh, the Palm Beach Crumbin uh, team as well. So, How do you think they'll go for the year? Look, I, I actually think they'll sneak into the finals. So I think yep. they're, they're actually a little bit bit of a sneaky um, suspicion that they're, they're going to be a little bit better than other people think. So I think they'll be thereabouts. Well, let's move on to Labrador, coached by Nick Malcheski from AFL, played for the um, the Swans and the Suns. A few huge ins for them as well. Um, you know, we've got Lockie Henderson who played over 200 AFL games. We've got Cam Ellis-Yolman who, who played 48 games at, um, at both Brisbane and Adelaide. Um, and we've got Andrew Boston coming in as well as a few as as well as a few others. Um, let's. How are they going to go this year? Do you think? Look on paper, I think it's fair to say that Labrador have definitely recruited, um, you know, the best crop of talent in the quaffle. Yep. I, th- I don't think there'd be too much disputing that. Three ex AFL players, um, as well as um, Christian Boke Smith, who's a key position player, and Connor Ambler, midfielder. They both played VFL footy. Nick Kempe, ex-Gold um, Coast Suns Academy player, he's very clever as well. So, you know, th- that is a terrific group of recruits. Yep. Um, you know, how they all gel together will be interesting to see how that, that goes. Um, they've lost one of the premier competi- players in a competition in Pierce Hanley and, and Alex Mackay, who's a long-time servant of the Labrador Football Club, has, has returned home to coach his home club. So he's a bit of a loss as well. He's um, definitely been a premier player in a competition for and a long time. And who should we be looking out for this year? Uh, young Luke Coombs, um, ex-Suns Academy. He was a reserves premiership player last year. Had a big pre-season. Uh, been around the club a long time. And, you know, they expect that he will play senior football this year. And likewise, Cade Gregory, um, young guy. I think he's 18 years old. Uh, he's, he's been training really hard and, and will get his debut. So, um, you know, look forward to watching how those guys go. The focus over the, the break for Labrador was to... They, they sort of recognised that last year they fell short very marginally by, I think, four points and eight points or something like that in two finals last year. Yep. So uh, the, the focus was to bring in some some elite talent and some experience that would help them get over the line in those big games. And and as sort of n- noted before, when, when you bring a few players into a, into a club... Uh, bringing connection and cohesion amongst the group uh, might take some time. So they may be slow starters, but I predict that they'll be a top two side. Coming home coming home with a wet sail, you're predicting. No let's um, let's go up to the Redland, sorry, Redland Victoria Point Sharks. Um, Phil Cass is the coach there, three-time best and fairest winner for the club, wasn't it? I believe. Um, played near 200 games. They've recruited well as well. Matty Hamelman from the Brisbane Lions, played um, a dozen games there. Um, Jack Rolls, who was also in the Lions Academy. Um, Campbell Aston, Dean Benson, a um, Victoria Point junior, has, has come into the team. And um, Brock Aston, who finished well up in the Grogan medal, fourth last year. Yeah, so again, some big names there. Matty Hamelman uh, was the leading goal kicker in the VFL last year, um, despite Aspley 
perhaps being one of the bottom sides, and now he's crossed to Redland, who who he previously played for. So he's a really big in. And Jack Rolls, as the name suggests, when he's up and going, is a bit of Rolls-Royce. Um, <laughs> unfortunately for him, he has had some injury issues over the years, but at his best, he's, he's definitely a, a top-line player. Unfortunately, they've lost Darcy Marsh due to the effects of concussion, so we wish Darcy all, of, all the best with his recovery there. Um, a couple to watch. Um, Caleb Franks uh, got injured in the, in the season, in the um, final game against... Maruchidor last year and was a really big loss to them at the time. Um, he's one of the premier midfielders in the competition and, um, you know, he's trained well. He's got his body right, so look out for him. Uh, and and Matty Warren's a small forward who's been working really hard to improve his game and they're expecting big games from him. So um, Redland, uh, they're looking at gaining the respect of the competition. So... Um, I was speaking to their footy manager during the week and he was very generous with their time, with his time and he said they want to be respectful off the field, hard to beat on the field and earn the respect of the competition. So that's been their focus over the summer. Okay, that leaves us with one team, Brendo. Um, just, now, just quickly, so I yeah. think Redland will be... Oh, top, sorry. Redland will be a top four side. So, top, Have you had like seven teams in your top four? Uh, I can give you my top six if you like. <laughs> But we'll do that. We we'll might do, do that. that after. Yeah, so next week we have um, Brad Moore coming in to um, talk to us in the studio. And yeah, he's so Surface Paradise coach. Uh, so we won't do Surface's preview for, for today. We'll save it for, for next we'll week. save when it when we've got Maury in here. When we've got Maury in here. That'll be sensational. All righty, here it is. I've been waiting for this for a couple of weeks, really, and that is to give my first canteen review. So the canteen connoisseur is was what I like to be known as now, and I went out to Park Ridge, and there are, well, there's only one rule, really. I've got a $20 limit. Now, I didn't spend my whole $20 at uh, Park Ridge. Sorry, I did spend it on other things there, but um, let's just go through. I'm going to give you my... Um, my review, Brenda. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. You've been waiting as well, haven't you? Yep. I'll I'll take you out on one of my canteen reviews one day, and then you'll um get to just see how how exciting this is. But um, so four categories they get um, on variety, value for money, um, taste, and service. So let's just start at the top. We had the variety. It was amazing, mate. Hot chicken and gravy rolls, chips, hot dogs, dim sims, pies, sausage rolls. Uh, potato scallops, mate, we had everything there. And we even had some chip and pie combos and things like that. So the only the only reason they don't get a 10 out of 10 is that um, mate, they, they confused me a little bit. They didn't have steamed dim sims and fried dim sims, so they lose a little bit there. And they had um, they didn't have Coke Zero, but they had Coke and it was a lot. You know, but 8 out of 10, great score. Um, value for money, look, again, another 8 out of 10. $16 it cost me for a hot chicken roll with gravy and some chips. Three dim sims, a drink, and a bag of lollies. It was fantastic. Did that's you a lot of that's a lot of food for sixteen dollars. It is a lot of food for sixteen dollars, and it we bought it in the first quarter, and I was still eating it at halftime. The taste, I am concerned, Brando, that we may have peaked too early. The gravy roll, holy banana benders, mate! It was awesome, absolutely awesome. This thing, I I cannot r- rave more about their their hot their hot chicken. And gravy roll. It was amazing. 
Dim Sims were fantastic, beautifully presented. The condiments, oh my God, Bruno, you, you have nothing. You have nothing until you've seen the Park Ridge condiments. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. And the service, absolutely perfect. 10 out of 10 there too. So Park Ridge, congratulations. You've got 36 out of 40, which is the highest score I've ever given. It's also the only score I've ever given. But um, <laughs> 36 out of 40. We have another review coming this week. We're going out to Aspley where I'm going out to Aspley and um, just wait for that review. I'll, I'll take my $20 out there and see what happens. So, Brendo? What's, so, my look ahead, it's obviously round one of the quaffle this week. So, the big game that I'm looking forward to you know, checking the result on in particular is Morningside versus Redland. Geographically, uh, reasonably close to each other. So, there's a little bit of extra spice in that game, particularly with the Aston Brothers crossing from uh, Morningside over to Redland during the course of the off-season. Always so, adds a little bit extra. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Uh, a great rivalry between those two clubs. And should we do our tips for this week? Let's Bob? do our tips because um, that's what we're here for. We're here to give the knowledge. There's probably people waiting for these tips as we speak. So first game, Mount Gravatt and Sherwood. In a word, Sherwood. In a word, I agree. It's two words. Aspley playing Wilson Grange. I'm going to be there. I think that'll be a great game. Looking forward to seeing Wilson Grange and their recruits, but I still think Aspley will be a bit too strong. I'm with Aspley with you on that one. Morningside are playing a Redland, Victoria Point. Look, that's a tough game at Esplan Oval. It's one I'm looking forward to. I think Redland might just have a little bit too much Ooh, firepower. We found, we found a point of difference. I'm going for Morningside at home. Maroochydore, um, they host Labrador. And again, that's a huge game up up the highway there at uh, the sunny coast. Maroochydore coming off um, a grand final appearance. However, I think Labrador with their firepower might be just well, a little too strong. See, this is this is a bit of controversy. I had circled Labrador. But then after your review and the, you're saying that you didn't know if they were going to gel so quickly, I've changed to Morningside. Uh, sorry, to Maroochydore. So big controversy there for, on my behalf, but we'll see what happens now that you've tipped that. Palm Beach against Surface. I'm going for Palmy. I can't see them losing that game. And I'm with you on that one. I think Palmy will win. And the last game of the weekend, Broad Beach versus Noosa. Who are you picking there? I think the Cats will get it done, but Noosa will be very competitive. Now they'll be unfurling their flag on Saturday as well at Subaru Oval? Yeah, Subaru Oval. Get down there. It'll be a good day. Always a good day down at the Cats unfurling of the Premiership flag. It will be a great one. Now... For us this week, uh, another big week of footy coming up. So we've got VFL, we've got AFL, we've got QAFL, we've got QAFLW. We've got the whole gambit this week. So everyone out there, enjoy your footy and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, See you Rob. Later. See you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Platinum Standard Grading. The future of grading has arrived.